Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everyone in between, welcome back to The Drawing Board, episode 16. And guys, uh, today's episode is not just special. Every episode is special. No. Today's episode <laughs> is momentous, particularly noteworthy for one very important reason. That reason being that today marks the one-year anniversary of the day on which we sat down and recorded the first ever episode of the drawing board and now 12 months 52.149 weeks 365 days 8760 hours 525,600 minutes 31 million 536,000 seconds and 15 episodes of the drawing board later we are sat here before you today remembering this occasion Chris, how does it feel Oof. Well, that was a crazy come on, intro bro. come on bro come on no stutters <laughs> or nothing we hit that dude it feels honestly genuinely really good because i remember at the start what were we talking about that most podcasts don't make it past three episodes and then um the next the next milestones at like 21 or something uh yeah 20. but it's it's almost kind of solidified that we're going to be in the top one percent of podcasters at least at least yeah because that's pure consistency built. yeah the habit is built it's it's mm -hmm. not even like I remember even in the start, um, when we were trying to like schedule podcasts and stuff, it would be like difficult. Like one of us would be like, nah, like not today. Yeah. Like, and massive props to you, by the way, because you kind of put pushed it together. Um, but dude, I can't believe one year that is today. Dude, honestly, looking back, like I didn't realize that we had we'd look even like kind of consistent, like like fifteen episodes. That's like more than one episode a month, right? And like. Well, like, yeah. I don't know what your initial thoughts were when like we kind of started. I know like we were both discussing like, okay, like, we'll just do it as something like kind of record our conversations, do whenever we feel like it. But one, we've been kind of consistent. And two, I feel like we've had like conversations uh, or like had guests on who we never would have even thought like when we started that this would be something that we could do. Like when we started, I don't know yeah, about you, fast. but I had no clue that like we would ever have like Ahmed or Saeed or like the mayor on like, it's like so cool looking back now. And like, it's kind of cheesy, but like how far we've actually come in just one year. Yeah, and more than that, I feel like our podcasting skills, or in general, our talking skills to a camera, or I know we're talking to each other, but we're trying to say ideas in a very dense manner, very concisely, as opposed to if we're talking by ourselves, there'd be like lots of silent gaps in between and us doing random stuff. And so I feel like right. as conversationalist itself, I feel like we've come a long way. And I feel it in every single conversation I have. I'm like, dang, like, I know exactly what to say, why to say it, mm -hmm. and yeah, things go well. Plus, I stopped saying like as much. This podcast is the reason that I stopped saying like so much. Ha have, have you actually noticed it? Because I feel like I still need like to work on it a lot. Like I think I said it there as well. Like I, I still have a long ways to go. I, if in if anything, I feel like I can't. I'm saying it, but like in in episode one, I was saying like less than I am now <laughs> for some reason the need to not have dead air or like this kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but like, I, I feel like I was saying like less in episode one. I was listening back to it yesterday and it was very clear that we were a lot more robotic. That was one thing. Like, so we, we would go from like topic to topic to topic. Like now I feel like we kind of just flow into things and like we yeah. go from intro to whatever we're talking about very naturally. Whereas if you go back and listen to episode one, we go like, we have the intro, uh, which was also so dead. Like I had no energy at all doing the intro. <laughs> so no, like the dead intro. And then it means like, oh, okay, yeah. So today we're going to be talking about uh, Elon Musk and, and BCIs. 
and, and like it was just so robotic but i feel like we've got a lot better at having that natural flow conversation that i think we looked that we wanted to have initially when we started yeah i agree and the the thing about saying like i've also noticed that when your excitement and your brain speed doesn't match your saying speed you got to add these filler words in right mm-hmm. and so i think before we said like a lot because we didn't have anything in our heads and so we were trying to fill the gaps but sometimes yeah. i feel like now we say like because we're thinking a lot and we have to like slow ourselves down in order to chop up these sentences together we're like little yeah. mini producers in our own head yeah i'm taking this class right now um it's called communication skills in a global context it's like the classic kind of bullshit to be honest with you it's like kind of just like a gpa booster but one of our assignments was to sit down and like with one of our classmates and just for 15 minutes uh, we were taught like some basic communication skills um and like we we're supposed to like emulate those skills and like show how what we learn and stuff and like i noticed in there that i think the biggest reason that i end up saying like or um or pausing is because i'm trying to say things faster than my brain is like or yeah i'm fa- i'm talking faster than my brain is able to, to process or like vice versa so I'm not sure which way it would actually be. Like my my mouth is not able to keep it with my brain, and therefore I'm saying like to kind of slow myself down. But uh, either either way, though, like it's I think it's definitely been very helpful. Yeah. Anyways, wait, though, what do, you, what do they wait? What do they even teach you in a communications class? I've never taken one. It's it's like pure cow. Like there's there's nothing useful to be honest with you. It's like an autistic level of like okay guys, uh, when you're talking with somebody, please make eye contact with them. Uh-huh. Okay, so that's um, like nothing useful yeah, at all. Yeah, that's nothing useful. Honestly, the only reason I I took it was. Um, it was supposed to be like a pretty chill GPA booster, which it is. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes they drop some like underrated advice. Yeah, like uh, our prophet is pretty cool though. He's like this ex-military. Um, like he did a couple deployments in Afghanistan, and then he came back, started his own business, um, started multiple okay. businesses actually, and now he like runs. He has like startups as well. He's like I think he runs like startup, and like he's like really cool. Like actually, like, I was thinking of like asking him to come on the pod at some point, like kind of just talk. But like our our lectures, it's like it's one it's once a week, three hours long, and this guy mm-hmm. will just fully off the dome just three hours straight of he can talk about anything so he'll come in and like he'll just be like okay guys again like as um technically he's like a counselor like his profession mm-hmm. or like he, he did a degree in counseling psychology so like by trade he's that so like he's teaching us some of those skills as well so he'll come in and just start asking like oh like hey guys how's your week and like you have any like conflicts this week whatever and it's like yeah you know, like, like, it was basically like a three hour long therapy session for the entire class you know what i'm saying <laughs> that is cool that is cool i also remember i on youtube there's this i think it's from harvard this youtube video of this le- one lecture called how to speak it's a guest lecture mm. by some some guy who's really good at speaking uh, yeah. and in the at the very start his hook is like i can't promise that you'll be the best conversationalist ever but i can mm-hmm. promise that you'll know exactly what to do from here on out when you're talking to someone and it was it was like yeah. a big prob- promise that they, that he had have you have you watched that lecture yeah i have i have was it actually useful you say I'd say it was, but it's one of those things that you have to come back to every now and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because you think a lot about how you're how you're speaking and your speech and your conversations after the fact, but it's very hard to remember that as you're talking because you also want it to be natural. And so it's more like I want to be reminded uh, now and then. Yeah, I I recently I've like really discovered the value in rewatching or rereading pieces of advice yeah. or content that you found very useful, like. I feel like we have a tendency or I technically definitely have a tendency to like, I'm always looking for that next new piece of advice. Whereas in reality, it probably doesn't exist. And it's a lot more useful to go back and listen to things like, okay, like this really resonated with me. What was it or what mindset or state did it put me in that I resonated with me? And then going back, kind of rediscovering that. Yeah. And a lot of the times, the reason why 
a lot of books or pieces of media are so highly coveted is because they were so dense in ideas that everybody was able to find their own selection of ideas within this mm-hmm. media article. But if you were to go back and take a second look through it and peruse through every single detail, you'd probably find just as many new things as you did the first time over. I'm a big fan of that too. Yeah, I think like historically, that's been what's defined good art. We talked about it like a couple episodes ago, like what defines good art. Like historically, I think it's been like how many other pieces of art were inspired by this piece of art or what other pieces of media. Like, for example, if you look at like the greatest books of all time, you kind of have to go to like the religious text just because like they've literally inspired generations of philosophy and theology and and books. Like literally every religion has like libraries full of books um, that are about the original, like whatever text it might be, which is like really interesting. But um yeah i guess what how's like the past uh two months been though you haven't sat down for for a while you are yeah, starting at your you started at your yeah you started at your your job co-op how's that been uh it's one a dream come true as in mm-hmm. it's everything i ever wished for and more which is mm-hmm. really good because wait it is good, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah obviously, by definition. <laughs> it is definitely yeah. the dream, therefore it's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's it's also like something where I know that it's my dream, and so I'm putting everything I have into this. I've never, I've never done so little amount of things in my life as I have right now. The only thing I'm ever focusing on is this one thing, which is kind of useless in some sense, because I'm used to doing like very like high impact work that's it's very direct to see the impact. But mm-hmm. working on a YouTube channel for like sixteen hours a day is kind mm-hmm. of in 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 my opinion it's really cool. But logically it's not as impactful as a lot of the other things that I, I've been hoping to do my entire life. And so right. that's cool. But the other thing is the entire place is just filled with prodigies. It's it's mind blowing. I've never been in a work environment filled with people as smart as this and they're very young because it's all like youtube type people mm-hmm. and so there's like a 22 year old who knows i'm more than any engineer i've ever seen in my entire life um and then every single person there loves to talk shop they're all nerds and i feel consistently stupid i feel so stupid all the time it's insane how stupid i feel but it, it kind of feels good like, I feel stupid. I ask a ton of questions. I, I also know that they think that I'm stupid. Or, like, ish, <laughs> at least. But I'm okay with that because this is a dream. And I'm if I'm ever going to learn everything about this industry like I plan to, I just need to go in acting super stupid. Yeah, like, they, they, people say that, right? It's, like, always better to be the dumbest person in the room than it is to be the smartest person in the room because you learn so much being the dumbest person in the room. Yeah, well... Well, the counter the counterpoint to that is sure you can be the dumbest person in the room, but if you identify yourself to everyone else as the dumbest person in the room, it's a very yeah. weird dynamic where people don't treat you equally. Mm-hmm. Which is probably what's happening to me, but it's it's Wait, so why, worth why, it. why do you why do you think that they think you're stupid or what if like what's kind of take you off on that? Because there's no way like okay maybe no, I'm like, a little I bit naive, it, but there's no way because okay think about it like this: my entire life I've been coding or like doing something on the software side and now everything i'm doing is on the hardware side every Mm. every single best practice i've ever thought of where it's okay if something isn't perfectly efficient as long as the next person is able to read it and i've also Mm -hmm. been doing stuff at scale for production everything that we're we're building right now is prototype 
So you want to build it with a prototype mentality. But everything I've built in the past is very that people are going to use final this. Product. So make yeah, make it a final product. Gotcha. So yeah, and it's all hardware. So I'm I'm spending time like learning about like, basic stuff on like the mechanical engineering side that even a first year mechanical engineering student would know. Um, mm. And so I obviously ask questions about it. Uh, and so they're, they're probably like, dude, what the heck? Um, yeah. The other really cool thing is I'm getting a lot of experience in the shop as well. And so I know we, I don't know if you had the same shop class as me, Mac, um, in McTavish. With, uh, Tremblay? Yeah, with Tremblay. Yeah, I had it. I don't think I had it with you, but I did have it. Yeah, but I'm, I realized that class was a joke. That class was actually, I don't know what happened or what we learned to do there. But it was, it was such a joke compared to what I'm doing now. Like, there's like now big machines that I understand like why we operate them the way they do. And when I'm <laughs> trying to build something out, I'm thinking about how it can be manufactured or fabricated as I'm building it out. And it might not be too useful in my entire life. But just the fact that if I have an idea now, I can go from nothing to a physical thing that I can hold is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, like, I thought in the moment that that class, it was pretty obvious that class was useless. Like, we weren't, like, allowed to use tools until, like, week three after learning, like, strict safety procedures, even though, like, to be honest, those, those yeah. tools weren't really that, like, dangerous. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you said you said you feel like a, like a cog in the machine or, like, it's, like, production scale. Like, do you feel like you're not having as much impact due to, like, how big of a production it is? Or, like, what, what do you mean by that? No, no, wait. I didn't say that, did I? So you didn't say cog in the machine, sorry. You said like it's, it's like production like style. So like you feel like you said something about like no, impact no, no, no. or like I, I was saying in in the past everything I've built was meant for production, meaning that it right. was meant production is a term used in like coding, which is like the final stage for for mm -hmm. users. Um, right. So I was saying like there is no production stage here. It's all prototype mm -hmm. stage. Uh, but the, yeah, the other really cool thing I guess is that there's a whole video team that I interact with. And like the, the final product that I'm pushing is not the thing that I'm building, but it's the video and the story that's behind it. Uh, and I've been lucky enough that they, they let me kind of own my own video that'll be coming out. Um, right. And so I, I'm getting to learn so much and it's, it's so cool. I'll, t I'll tell you a lot of, I can't tell you, I can't talk yeah. about it on <laughs> this probably. Probably get yeah, not fair, fair. I'll tell you about it afterwards. <laughs> it's crazy. The way that the creator world works is so crazy mm -hmm. um and it yeah there's a lot of cool ideas i have about making it better or, or cooler so well, so what does your like day-to-day -day look like because you're interacting with a bunch of team but you're also trying to learn a bunch of hardware stuff at like a single time like what, what is your day in the life of krishna looking like right now i'm gonna make a youtube video about this a day in the okay. life of a, a hacksmith intern uh, okay but right now it's i go into work we have stand up every morning I know my project, or stand I know up, my projects of things. Stand up, bro. You're such a non-tech nerd. I have to explain yeah, this to you. Yeah, of course I am, bro. Like, <laughs> that's the point, bro. We're supposed to cross different different domains. You're supposed to talk about different things. It's just yeah, me least, learning what know, tech world is. I know, but like, I only <laughs> talk to people in my bubble for so long that it seems yeah. like something normal that you should know. Yeah, I'm like stand up, y'all doing a comedy like skin or what? Stand up you. is the equivalent of a morning meeting, so everyone syncs up. Oh, okay, okay. We call it stand-up. Got it, okay, okay. Daily stand-up, okay. Um, so I have stand-up in the morning. Then I know mm -hmm. my project or the things that I'm supposed to be working on. So my project is my project. So I'm leading that. I like design it, manufacture it. 
I get someone on the video team and go and say, hey, like, I want this to be recorded. Um, and I'm really lucky because obviously I don't have exquisite storytelling taste. And so mm-hmm. the the filmmaker that I was partnered up with, like the editor, he's very good at just getting someone's raw like shots and editing it together to seem like a good story. Um, so I'm pretty thankful for that. So yeah, I work on designs or if I have something to prototype, I'll go like 3D print it or go like machine it. Then, um, yeah, then I'll just like play play around with it, see if it works and iterate. Damn, that's fire. Yeah. But was there any like level of, of fear going into it? It feels like there's a lot of responsibility in terms of like you have this entire project somewhat like on your shoulders and like you kind of have to lead the direction of the design plus the story. I mean, the storytelling you, you, is somewhat offloaded, but you still have to have a product to have a story to tell, right? So, like, was there any level of fear going into that? Like, like you're like, I'm there, there is that. still fear. There is still fear because it <laughs> might not work. I'm, mm. I realized this recently, but I'm a very over promising person. And mm. when I talk about something, I'm like, oh, that's easy. Like, it's no sweat. Like, I'll be able to do it instantly. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, because I've, I've, gro- I've grown up with the ideology that I just need people to give me the chance or the opportunity. And then I'll work, like, insanely to make sure that it happens. And usually mm-hmm. it's worked out. Yeah. Um, but in this type of thing, I'm attempting something that... Yeah, it's not as no, I I know you can't like say details, but yeah. Yeah. No, I I can imagine it being hard. Yeah. What you? What are you up is... Past two months. Um. Honestly, dude, my life is so much more boring compared to like anybody at <laughs> any of you guys because like it feels like it's just very like routine. But um, yeah, I mean, just like classes, um, running like just doing stuff for clubs, like extracurriculars, volunteering at a couple different places. What yeah, have you been? What have you been? What have you been thinking about recently? What have I been thinking about? Um, I, like nothing. I don't know. I, I feel like I think about so many things on like a daily basis. Like I, I never have like a single thread of things. Like that's that's like um, like one I think about me is like I, I'm never thinking about one thing at a time. I'm balancing or like juggling like seven or eight different like <laughs> ideas in my head. Like oh this is cool. Like oh I wonder how this works or oh, I'm wondering this about myself. Um, that type of thing. Um, I one thing I was thinking about recently is like this idea of feeling behind in life um because like it's, it's like a common i guess plight of people who go into like med is um like them thinking like oh like i'm gonna be like basically in my early 30s most likely by the time i finish like residency and stuff like that so i was thinking about mm-hmm. how much it actually matters to me of like being able to get things done earlier uh we talked about it a bit before but like is life a race um and this idea of like feeling like you're behind your peers and they're getting life milestones and accomplish finish while you're still like in school stuff like that um yeah i've been thinking about a little bit about about that um do you have do you have any thoughts on that like do you ever think that your path you're going down is going to put you behind your peers in life in any way yeah a ton it's kind of different uh but kind of the same as you uh most a lot of my friends like most of my friends are like startup friends and so mm-hmm. all of them have dropped out or taken a gap year at some point and to work on some project and so they got a lot more done while a lot more work done on their startup or project that they're working on whilst so far i've decided to stay in school and do like the regular routine that i'm supposed to do and so i feel a lot of the same way as in like if i'm planning to go down the startup route uh or in in the tech scene some innovation route am i falling behind in life is there am i putting my time to use currently right now Mm -hmm. Uh, 
dude, it's a, it's a hard thought to deal with. I, I have no way of dealing with it. Dude, one thing that I was talking about recently with um, like Amr and one of our other roommates here is like, what percent of like success, especially within fields like startups or business, is even determined by your like ability to work hard, and what percent of it is luck? Because like we were discussing it, and we had like differing like views on it, and I'm sure you'll kind of disagree with me here. But I was, or me, and then our other friend Right Anne were, were arguing that a lot of it is actually luck, and you can get more lucky again by like increasing surface area or whatever. But like there's no guarantee regardless of how good of a business idea is how good your team is everything like all those factors amalgamating together there's still no guarantee that you'll be successful do you ever fear like since you're like somewhat into startups and i'm assuming like if you could you'd like want to have like a successful startup in some way do you ever fear that like you just won't like you'll try and try and like you'll get to a point in life where you're like hey i have other priorities now like i want to like settle down like whatever i want to pursue other passions um, i can't keep working like 12 hours a day on my startup is not going anywhere you ever feel like yo this is just not gonna happen and i have to like um, change paths yeah I, I used to think similarly like that it was a lot of luck um but after after being in the space for so long and seeing so many of the stories and knowing so many of the people i'm mm -hmm. pretty much exclusively on the side of yes there's luck involved but way more important than that is act the actual person and how they're approaching things and the, the entire world that surrounds that. Like who you are and how hard you work and how you're working is way more important. And the reason I think that is not because luck is involved. Luck is very much involved. The real reason is that our lives are actually quite a big time span where if you're doing all the right things, even if you're not lucky the first time, you have chances to go at least two, three times. And the last thing is in personalities, one of the big things for success is your ability to take risks. And so people who might fail the first time just will quit and not do it again. But people who want to take the risk and keep continuing could reap mm -hmm. the benefits. So what I'm saying is, yes, I am scared that things will not right. work out, but not for the reason that I'm not going to be lucky. It's for the reason that Maybe I'm not approaching everything correctly. Right. So you think a lot of it is like knowing what to do at what point and the people you know and stuff like that? Yeah. People you know, for sure. But even there's a lot of like very, very small nuances that end up making a big difference. For example, if you're leading a team, uh, this is something I've been thinking about a lot recently, but it's super important to just like be owning the really tiny details that nobody else wants to do. Like that, you should, even if you think as a leader of a team, it should be someone else's job to keep things running smoothly. You have to swallow your pride and just do all the grunt work. Even if you're mm. like, at least for me, when I was younger, I thought, oh, being a leader meant like, you don't do any of the grunt work. You tell other people to do grunt work. Um, mm -hmm. but, like this is a small nuance that I learned that makes a massive difference or like being like a very good communicator or when you see an opportunity maybe arise like going relentlessly at it these things are not as common as you think and you end up finding that in all the successful people with exceptions they have these like specific qualities do, do you like ever like um 
like study successful people like uh, a lot of people like oh i studied so-and-so's daily routine i studied elon musk daily routine i like i asked one million billionaires like what their first principles are whatever (laughs) do do you ever like do you think there's value in that or do you think a lot of time people are kind of just like looking back with hindsight and creating things that might not have actually existed while they're in the process because i feel like a lot of the time when people will like look up to like these success gurus or people who are successful especially like like even if on like a smaller scale if somebody was like were to ask me like oh like like how, how do you get to university like something like that or like or were to ask you like oh how do you get to waterloo uh, like you would have answers but it might not actually be that useful for them because you didn't have that specific thing in mind while you were working through the process just now in hindsight you're like oh yeah i guess like that's kind of a thing that i do and that might be helpful and you give that answer i feel like millionaires or billionaires startup owners whatever it might be would be in a similar situation where they're like yeah like i do this thing now so i guess like it might be it might have been useful if i was i'm on the come up as well but maybe while you're on the come up it's a completely different mindset and it's not actually helpful do you ever like yeah, think about I that yeah i agree sometimes sometimes i like study like the people i really think are cool but it's also important to notice that you shouldn't study the ultra successful people because that is probably where luck played a big part um for example like elon elon's like companies being so crazy crazily viral that Mm -hmm. was quite lucky with yeah again exceptions but uh it was quite lucky so it's you're not gonna get any value out of studying elon musk's life because there's so many things that he does that he thinks are normal and so many things that he encountered randomly that won't mm-hmm. even apply to you. But it's very valid to look at like mid-successful people. So instead of looking at like billionaires, look at people who, who just like sold their first startup for a couple million dollars or just like did something successful. And you'll see that your life is a lot more relatable to them and they have actual teachings that they can give you because a lot of their stuff wouldn't have been insane luck that gets them there. Yeah, so like the person who's like just a couple steps in front of you so rather than the person who's already at the top of the mountain. Yeah, basically. yeah I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like, the, like those, those people's advice at the very top is like so unrelatable in certain extents. Like they try to make it relatable because they have such a broad audience, but in reality, it just doesn't work. And the other thing is, it's very hard to identify what went well and what didn't. Like how, like what certain things do you think led you to get into the ubc could you mm-hmm. name them probably not like i, I can name certain things that might have been it but or you yeah, would the question is do you think if you said those things those same things first of all were true in their truest sense and they would apply to everyone else it's, it's a very difficult thing to say yeah but do you, like, do, you do that for like go ahead do you do that for role models in like your fields like do you study different doctors or researchers and stuff like that um i feel like with with like with my like kind of i guess like dream or like whatever fields is like it's not as necessary to to study the people at the very top because the hardest part of this path is not like the people at the very top who are like md phds and have 17 publications to their name and run an entire like hospital department the hardest path part of this path is like actually getting into medical school so like i kind of by, by default um, I'm forced to, or I'm drawn to study people right. who are like a couple steps in front of me, which is naturally, I think just the better, yeah, who are just good students or who have done the right things or have taken the, the, the right tactics, whatever it is to get into medical school. Cause that's like the, the, the barrier to everything else. Cause like once you get into medical school, okay, you can figure out how to do residency at that point, you're already surrounded by a bunch of like-minded, like brilliant individuals who are all on the same path. They're all passionate about this topic. They all are into research. They all like, and then you have like mentors, like your mentors are like fed to like, please ask these people like how to be successful. Um, and I, I think especially like 
um with like residency stuff like that like, I, i've been watching some like videos just like out of interest like oh like what do residency programs like how, how do they kind of work like it's very different from a lot of other um like i guess competitive like endeavors is because like they want you to apply i feel like a lot of the time with universities and stuff it's like oh like oh like do you even deserve to apply here like what's your average like what have you actually done like why should we even bother like even giving you a chance whereas oh, with residency true. it's like please like you are a very like talented individual like this here's what we have to offer to you like, you are actually really cool what like obviously want to know who you are as a person but like here's what we can offer to you and that feels like a lot it, it feels really nice to know that like if you're in that position already if you're already like in med school whatever then you you are you are desired by these residency programs you're desired by these research positions rather than feeling like you have to constantly prove yourself which i think during undergrad for people who are going into med is this constant like burden of okay like am i doing enough right now oh what is so so person doing like oh they're working on this research project and these and they're doing like volunteering at these seven different places like oh damn i'm only working on like i'm only volunteering right now i have no research project under my belt stuff like that like it, this is constant burden and i'm not sure how much you you feel this but it's something that's like um I, especially recently when i've started taking this more seriously i think first and second year i was kind of like slacking to be honest like it's, it's become a lot more apparent of like i've I, I, this mindset of like, oh like i wonder what so-and-so person is doing right now because like they they might be like doing something better than me there's something that, that i can maybe learn from them like oh maybe i should start doing that as well type of thing do you feel that at all like when you're going to, like in waterloo you're obviously surrounded by a bunch of like also like like-minded like amazing like personalities people who are like really hard work and stuff like that do you ever like look at people like, oh like them they're working on this project as well like should i start that or, or mm -hmm. are you kind of on your own path and you're confident in what you're doing i feel it i feel it but i know it's wrong like i know it's important to just be on your own path <clears throat> but for me like i'm i'm surrounded by so many workhorses that mm -hmm. even when i decide to take some time for myself and like do something that I think is like pretty degenerate. I just like mm -hmm. feel guilty. Like, I feel like it's an indulgence and that I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, even if it's like sit, like sit and watch like two movies in a row. Like that seems like waste to me. Like nobody mm -hmm. else would do this around me. It feels pretty bad. Um, do you ever feel like your life is getting kind of rat racy? Yeah, in a way for sure. Like, especially around things that are competitive to get into like for example like research positions it feels very very rat racy the entire process obviously inherently rat racy but especially things like research where like even the process to get into research is competitive um it feels very rad like for example if you're like volunteering like you can kind of volunteer or whatever like they're looking for people I mean, if you're passionate about something you can do it. if you have any hobbies obviously that's just fully on you to do it and those are like the, i think the three pillars would be like obviously grades which I mean, they're kind of rat racy, but it's also basically on you, race, yeah. research, volunteering, and then like hobbies and stuff. And two, like three-ish of them don't really feel that rat, rat racy, but or research specifically feels quite rat racy. Yeah, it makes sense. But do you enjoy it? Do you enjoy like this rat race? I, I kind of go through periods. Um, like I, I've noticed, especially like I, I think the, the area that I'm in or like physically, like when I'm in Fort Mac versus when I'm back here, like I, I go through like these these thought loops where like I when I go back to Formac and then I'm there for a couple of weeks I end up going back into this mindset where I'm thinking about certain things or I'm worried about certain things like oh like I'm, I'm it, could, it could be whatever like, but I'm worried more about like oh like am I going to the gym consistently or am, am I like working on this consistently where I, when I'm back here I'm like okay well screw that I don't care about that anymore am, am I working on this consistently or am I, am I doing this enough and it's this constant like thought loop where I'll mm -hmm. I'll go through this process of learning more about it and then come to the conclusion okay like this is what I should be doing right now. And then a couple like weeks later, I'll be back at square one, and I'll go through the entire like learning process again, just come back to the same conclusion. And I, find I that think too. a lot of that. Yeah, I find that too. Like, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. 
uh, I, I was saying what I what you were saying. Like when I'm at home in Fort Mac, I I think about how good of a person I am and how I can improve myself as a person. But a lot of times when I'm at school, I think about my work and like how I can improve my work um, and everything like that. And I I like I have the same this thought loop thing. Yeah, I, I wish there was a way that like you could like consolidate like wisdom that you kind of discover so that you actually like internalize it because like, it's it's feel like such a waste of time especially for me like i feel like a lot i spent a lot of time just like thinking about stuff in my personal life or like thinking about like these these ideas of like, okay am i behind in life right now should i actually pursue this path is this career right for me is this like what is passion like this is do i want to pursue this passion stuff like that but I, I wish there was a way to like come to a definitive conclusion after a bit of thought and then just have that internalized rather than going in this thought loop because I feel like it wastes so much time. It's like, you'll Wait, just you go still, through. do you still write? Um, sometimes. I, I want to be doing it more, but yeah, that probably would help. Dude, that is the answer. Uh, it's not, sorry, it's not a catch-all, but it's so OP. It's so OP that anytime that you're thinking about stuff like this, like just have pen and paper or your laptop in front of you and just like jot it down. And... I understand. For me, it feels like really cringe when I'm writing this stuff down, because I'm like, dude, who? I'm not Aristotle. Like, why am I writing down like these random philosophical thoughts that I'm most likely wrong about? Yeah. But the way that it plays a massive difference in your in your life, because the problem is that you have to, or at least for, the problem for me is I was constantly rethinking the same things, and ending up at slightly different co- conclusions. And because I was en- ending up in slightly di- different conclusions, I would end up confused, as yeah. in like. Um, do I trust myself enough that this is the path that I want to go down if in 10 days or in a month I'll land a slightly different conclusion? Right. But when, when you write it all down, for me at least, there was like very clear, like logical places where I could have made a mistake and that would have led to some different conclusion. And again, it's not like I don't have the answer to life, yeah. but it made it made things much easier for me, especially when I get confused. I can just look back like, oh, this is what I was thinking and it still applies. So why am I even thinking about this? Yeah, no, honestly, that's, you're probably right. I, I think for like things that I have written down in the past, those are probably the things I think about the least, to be honest. It's because I, I have that reference of like, okay, this was what the, the mindset I was in and this is the conclusion I came to. I'm in a very similar mindset right now. So I, I just can quickly work through the, like, the steps that I went through initially over a few weeks potentially but now i can do it in like 10 minutes just go okay this 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 this. okay this is the conclusion that makes sense to me and then you go through that emotional thing but one thing i kind of realized though is that regardless of like any logical conclusion you make or like philosophical truths you can arrive at emotions still run the like the world like yeah like you can feel like something could be like the ultimate philosophical truth you know it from the deepest part of your being to be true this is the right thing but if you don't feel like doing it it won't happen dude I agree so much. And it's bad because this is everyone. This applies to everyone. Humans, innately, like we talk a lot about like, oh, AI is like dumb. Like it couldn't be like humans. Mm-hmm. But innately, humans are terrible logicians. Oh, yeah. Like we're, we suck because everything that should logically apply and fall axiomatically between one and another just doesn't make sense because you have this random ass like freaking emotions and like feelings like, oh, I don't want to do this. Even though it makes sense, like I don't feel like it. Yeah. And it pisses me off, bro. I hate it. Yeah. But the other thing is, the other thing is, if you're able to master like your emotions and and considering all of this type of stuff, you're not only like better for yourself, but you're able to relate with everyone else much much better. What What do you mean re- relate to other people? 
Like in what way? As in like you become like your your EQ is high. If if you're able to consider all the logic and then your emotions as well, your emotional intelligence is so much higher and you're able to relate with the world. But I okay, like correct me like or not correct me, but like tell me if you have a different experience. But I feel like for me, like I consider myself to have like pretty strong or pretty good emotional intelligence when it comes to other people. Like I feel like if like if two other people are having an argument, I can sit there and be the mediator and like come to like a very good like like conclusion or some sort of resolution that like take care of like how they're feeling but also like logically is like consistent but for when it comes to myself i am like terrible at it like i can't look at myself as a third party and come to the same conclusion that i would have if if i was like looking at somebody else so like for like my personal eq is like needs a lot of work whereas i feel like with other people i'm i think i'm pretty good do do you feel that at all or do you think that your eq is pretty consistent with yourself and other people or like oh hmm well in that example you gave, like, isn't that not EQ? It's just IQ. Being able to settle, settle an argument is purely no, like, a logic thing, right? Well, not necessarily. Like, if if two people are having like an, like an argument over, like, okay, I don't feel like respected in this in situation, or I feel like my needs are not being met, whatever, like the like default relationship arguments you can imagine, you still need EQ in that situation to be able to navigate it. Like, you could logically, like, logically, one person uh-huh. could be absolutely correct, right? Like, it's like this person is being wronged, like it's black and white right but you still have to be like emotionally intelligent to navigate that situation correctly because even if that person is logically correct they're not feeling that way in this current moment going back to like you know emotions around the world like in in a couple hours they might realize okay like yeah i was i was probably wrong but you can't just say that they're wrong in that moment because they're gonna feel completely betrayed completely and, and that one emotional tick can like can last for like weeks months whereas like if you just waited or were more emotionally intelligent in that one specific moment you would have resolved it a lot better so, that makes sense. It's like it's like science student explains like feelings to yeah. engineering student for the first time. It's like, uh, what do you mean, bro? Just like just solve the argument, law. <laughs> Wait, do you feel like you said you can mediate stuff like that between two people? Yeah. But what if it's like one other person and you? What if, what if someone just came to you and and said like, "Yo, Mac, I'm feeling sad today. I don't mm-hmm. know why." What are you saying? If if as long as not I'm not a part of the conflict, I think I'm pretty good at it. But um, uh, mm. like if I'm involved in the conflict, if it's like me and another person, then I think I still need a lot of work on that. Like uh, uh like so like you you think of yourself as a blind spot. Yeah, like my my own personal feelings is like a or like my own personal emotional state is like a blind spot or, or causes me to not analyze situations correctly. I th- which I think is everybody. Like I don't think it's like a big deal because I think everybody yeah. is more. Um, or they're, or they're less logical, less able to navigate situations that involve their own emotions, just because inherently, like it just makes sense. But with other people, I think, like I, I don't I remember a while back when you took like the MBTI um, or whatever MTBI, whatever it is, like the sixteen personalities test. Um, I remember, mm-hmm. you, like I think you got like ESFJ or something like that. The, I can't remember what you got, but I, I got INFJ, got which is like ENTP. the uh, ENTP, yeah. And I got like INFJ, which is supposed to be like the the advocate. Or like, which is like basically like you are like you're good at talking with other people like in like a therapist type of way and like going through emotions and navigating difficult situations. Which like obviously like personality tests are kind of like BS, but I think it resonated with it. I I I felt those things like oh that makes sense. Like I feel like I'm actually strong in those in those areas. Yeah, dude. I don't. I understand. Like a lot of people say uh, personality tests are BS. Like there's like there's evidence to back it up, mm-hmm. but. For me, I also like resonated with it a lot. One thing I was scared of is, is it pigeonholing myself, and I hope I hope that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But my, my thing was the debater. It's like, oh, you're a logician, and like, you you work really hard to find the truth, and mm-hmm. you're like, 
you argue till your ends desired. Um, and I was at the time I was like, oh yeah, that's me. But then I keep doing it, and I get the same thing over and over again. Yeah, same. Um, well, one one thing yeah. that like when I was taking it, like I would occasionally get INTJ, which I think I also like. It's like very similar, it's like INFJ, INTJ. The only thing that's uh, separating it is like feelings versus. Well, I can't remember what T stands for, but whatever it is, and it's like INTJ is more of like a like a planner, and that's another thing that I feel like like what well, I've. I, a lot of my success, I think, in life to this point has become her has come as a result of my ability to like plan ahead, even if like my my uh, I guess my performance within this specific uh, like endeavor has not been that great. The ability that the fact that I was able to plan ahead well means that I was able to set myself up for success, which is something that I, apparently INTJs are good at. It feels like astrology for like for like STEM kids, to be honest. Uh, so <laughs> when you talk about it, it's like yeah, like I'm an INTJ, so like yeah, I'm like really good at planning. <laughs> Wait, that's so true. It is astrology for yeah, STEM kids. It's like astrology for STEM kids. We, we need to start taking the, the big five personality model because like that one's actually backed up by science. And like, oh, uh, actually, I, I read a paper in the New England Journal of Psychology that... Wait, what is it? Is it this one? The, 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 the big five personality. It's uh, conscientiousness, openness, extroversion. Um, what is it? Conscientiousness, openness, extroversion. Like, like it's your ability to become stressed. I, I can't remember what the word is. Anyways, there's like five like personality traits, and you're on on like a zero to one hundred scale on them, and you'll lie somewhere on that scale. And that one has been actually backed up by science and being like consistent and uh, accurate, and then all those like psychology terms. But like, if you take it over a bunch of times, you'll get the same results, and it actually like is consistent with how you behave in situations beyond that test itself, stuff huh. like that. Huh. Yeah, like, I will do that test. Yeah, I, I like these. I like these types of tests, though. Like, I feel like you learn a little bit by yourself, even at least when you're answering the questions. Yeah, well, why do you think that is? Like, why do you think people are so drawn to personality tests and like uh, astrology stuff like that? Stuff that kind of imposes an identity upon you, because that's that's basically what it's doing, right? It's like um, these these things are telling you, like, this is who you are as a person. Like, you fall into this group. Why do you think that is? Because it. it it's very hard work to think about who you are as a person. It's very difficult work mm -hmm. because you don't know the answer, but you do know habits and actions that you have had in the past. And so if there's a test that you can just input like your habits and your actions and the way you're, you're feeling in certain situations and get back who you are instead of doing that searching and digging yourself, mm -hmm. it seems like, yeah, it seems very good. Yeah. How long have we been recording for? I can't see the timer. I was 42. Okay. Okay, we're good. Do you, you want to keep going? Or do you want to wrap it up? Yeah. Uh, we should probably wrap it up. But um, uh, one other thing I want to talk about today. Okay. What, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say it. You're good. Right, one other thing I wanted to talk, ask you actually about today, because I was thinking about it this past week often. Like, what is your relationship with money? Um... Like how often do I think about it, or like what what am I like how what level do I need to be to be like think of myself as financially stable that type of thing? I mean, like how often do you think about it? Do you consider yourself like a frugal person or a spender? Mm -hmm. Like, do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing? Like the entire like what is you know, what is your relationship with yeah. money? Um, I, I don't consider myself like overly frugal. I think with myself, I can be like for example, the one thing I definitely have noticed is like if I like get DoorDash one day. I'll feel guilty buying it again the next day 
not be- like specifically for the reason that I'm spending too much money, not because of like health or whatever. I don't really care, but more like I feel guilty, like okay, I'm spending too much money. And it's all coming out of student loans or whatever. Like it's not actually like a big financial burden, but I feel oh, so my headphones just died. Okay, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So like I-, I don't consider myself frugal when it comes to other people. I think like I enjoy spending money on other people or like giving gifts, stuff like that. Or if like a friend ever needs money, like I, I don't think I'm frugal in that sense. But personally, I think. Um, like funny on myself I'm, I tend to like try to avoid it as much as possible um, and then for like how I would imagine like what level of like financial stability I, I definitely think about it like I think everybody is like with, within my career is like oh like how much money would I be making in as x like position versus y position to be like financially stable mm-hmm. I think like somewhat similar to like the position like our parents were in maybe like a bit more just because I already had the lifestyle so like something like a bit nicer would be cool I don't know yeah what about you like I, I like, I'm not, I'm not sure like, what, like specifically you're wondering about, because like I said, such a, such a broad. No, topic. yeah, I'm just asking because recently, I guess you're 20 already, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I'm, I'm coming really close to are it. You're 20 yet? And no, oh, damn, bro, I'm fucking. You're 20, old. dude. I've only been 20, bro. <laughs> been 20. <laughs> not kidding. Um. Yeah, your early birthday, but yeah, like the thing I've been like really stressed about is. It, in my head, even when you're a kid, you think 20 is really old. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, dude, like I can do all this by the time I'm 20. 20 is too old to even think about anything. Yeah. Um, and now that I'm reaching the age, I have like small fears that engaging in such a high risk lifestyle will can like can go badly. And because it can, like I'm constantly thinking, oh, like is it worth just become like do something so i can become financially stable first and then do everything else i want to do uh-huh. and it's like it's like stressing me out i do not like this fact that i'm getting older i'm, I'm basically running out of time to have done the things that i wanted to do my entire life is that fear like out of not being able like like being financially like like you know financially free i guess or like financially lucrative or like versus a fear of like i'm not gonna be able to meet like like ends meet type thing because uh, i was speaking with other people i think there's, there's like two camps usually like for example like i talk with amr like he'll, he'll talk sometimes about like like being in like university like you're on your own right you're on your own now and you're kind right. of in this in there we talked about it when he was on the podcast like you feel like or he said he, he feels sometimes like like he's on your own like the parents can support you but like not in the way that that they did when you were young and it's on you to be financially stable and kind of build your own relationships and set up life up for yourself mm-hmm. and so like i feel like if you're in that camp you're more scared of like i'm not going to be financially stable to, enough to support myself or a potential family whereas um the other camp would be like okay like i'll, I'll probably still be fine but like i'm not going to be financially at a place where i want to be to live the lifestyle that i want which which camp would you say you're in uh it's a lifestyle that i want like i don't I, i'm not worried too much about making ends meet because worst comes to worst like i i think i could figure that out yeah. but it's more no. like the things that i want to work on uh especially if it's like startup related or such high risk yeah and because of that it might not be lucrative at all mm-hmm. and so i could make and en- i can make ends meet for sure but i also like have this life that i dreamed of and like at 35, I don't want to be living in a van. Like, I'm in my 20s, I'm actually perfectly fine living in a van and just like just grinding. Mm-hmm. But basically, by the time I have kids, like, I don't want to, I don't want to be a bum when I have kids. Yeah, no. Um, 
Yeah. Do, do you ever look at stats? I, this is one thing that I do very often. Is like whenever I'm pursuing some sort of a new endeavor, I'm like looking at the stats of okay, what percent of people like for you? If I was in your position, I would constantly look okay, like what is the average age that people have their first successful startup, or like what is the average age when people uh, sell their first startup, and what might or how much money do they sell it for? Like, do you ever find yourself looking at stats like that, or do you not really care? Um, I think I looked at it. Uh, I looked at. I didn't look at this. I looked at like what is like of our age range like what is just like the average like like annual income or like and when does someone get a house when does someone have kids yeah. like at what financial stages are you able to do all these things yeah. i i ended up searching all that up I even at one point just like calculated how much money i need to live the rest of my life oh, okay like, including including all the big events including having kids and supporting them yeah. i just like calculated everything and i i got to like the number five million and i was like if i get to, if i can somehow yeah it's not much right yeah I would, it's I would not much at all but yeah that makes that i guess that makes sense because like what well, a kid i was looking at the stat the other day like to raise a kid from zero to 18 takes like four hundred thousand in in canada roughly i believe was the number um i think it was a bit i think it was a bit less when i stood up i think it was like one to 200k okay, I, I think it depends on what your actual income is as well i think for richer families it costs more because they tend to like have their kids in better schools and give them more toys or whatever whatever ends up being it yeah probably somewhere closer to like 250 300 ish so that's like what i mean i don't know how many kids you want to have but let's just say like three or four and then housing stuff like that yeah five million probably makes sense oh yeah yeah well i didn't i i said in like in my calculation i said i would always be renting okay um because, like, I was thinking, like, worst case, like, if, if I do buy a house, then, like, the mortgage is essentially rent, and I would, like, house hack, mm -hmm. and put some people there, so, yeah. like, rent my basement or something. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I account for two kids, which I don't even know if I want, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah so, five million. So, so, yeah, it's, it's, so, if you, like, sold a startup, like, what, what does that, what does that number mean to you? Would, would it mean that if I'm at this number, I'm going to stop, kind of pursuing stuff or is it does, or does it mean like if i'm at this number i'll stop being afraid of these things because i feel like there's this um progression bias that we have sometimes where the things that we want right now we don't uh realize that our 30 or 45 year old selves won't want so like right now you're like okay like if i have five yeah. million like i'll be happy like if i'm living in a van at 28 but it means that like by 35 i'll have like enough to support myself and like a family of two kids whatever the number is i'll be happy but like well we get to 28 be like no the, I, I don't want to be living in a van for any longer i want money right now and like i'm gonna change the past completely do you ever fear that progression bias or like um your future self not wanting what you want right now yeah dude i don't even know what that number means because i i understand that like i lived my entire life with this ideology of do good things and enough money will come mm -hmm. like maybe you won't be the richest person in the world but enough will come mm -hmm. and i think I, I still agree with it mostly uh but it's it's difficult when you know that there's an there's a very for me like there's a very oh you go? Uh, there you go. it's difficult for me where i know there's a very algorithmic path that i could take in life and i could reach this already mm -hmm. um like like just getting a comp side like, job and like fang or something like that is that what you mean yeah. yeah 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 exactly um i guess like worst case could always go back to a life like that you know, like the problem is I've also like because we were raised like I'm sure you relate, but like the immigrant mentality is to be like frugal at least. Yeah, no. Like try, try sure. to save money and like don't spend on useless things. Um, I, I I that battles with the idea of like 
oh, like, live the life that you want to live, not the life that you are living type thing. Um, or, like, act, like, how you want to be in the future as opposed to right now. So, like, um, live below your means? Is that what you mean? Live above your means, essentially. Wait, how is that um, being frugal? No, well, yeah, like, being frugal it is battling with oh, an ideology yeah, that I, yeah, yeah. I've heard of living above your means. So, um who, yeah, and like, who preaches that love above your means? I don't think that's a good idea ever. No, oh, really? I, I, don't, I don't know if anyone's preached it. This is just something that I think of. I think it's a bad idea. Um, I mean, just from like a purely financial standpoint, I think it probably isn't because like living above your means definitely means that you're probably going to regress at some point, right? Because like if, right? Because like if, if I can only afford a lifestyle of like, ten thousand dollars a month whatever that means but i'm living a lifestyle that assumes i'm making 15 that means you're eventually just gonna like lose money over time and go to zero whereas living above your means is like a exponential like you make more and more money therefore you're able to save more and more your money makes more and more money for you etc etc no yeah like okay here's the real problem the problem is like i don't know how much i'm supposed to save and how much i'm supposed to send uh spend because there's like this ideology of like spend money and you'll make money. Have you heard this? Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Oh, so, I just don't know how much so, of my money I'm supposed to save. Oh, so do you mean specifically in the context of like spending money toward your goals and like spending money, like living above your means in how much you're able to or how much you should reasonably be spending toward um, like reaching goals? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Well. But you can argue that everything in your life is reaching goals. Like, oh, I should have a better house because I can have a better environment mm-hmm. to work. Yeah, but the problem is, I like, should... houses and cars and kids don't make money for you. Whereas, like, investing in your startup, that, you know, in theory, at least, would be something that I, makes money. I don't know. Like, you could, you could say your environment is a direct impact of your environment. And, like, your the majority of where you spend your time is a massive impact on on all these things. And so you could go, like, oh, home is like that. Or another is like, um, like time is really important. So I shouldn't ever cook. I should always buy, like eat out because that's much faster than cooking. It's obviously more expensive yeah. too. I mean, I guess it depends on what you value more slash there's a more direct correlation between spending money on or investing in your own startup versus like buying like a nice car because it means you get to work five minutes faster. Like I think the second, like, like investing in lifestyle has a much weaker correlation with actually resulting in success, whereas in investing directly in the the vehicle that should deliver you success, I mean, obviously investing in that means that you will be more successful or there is a more direct correlation with that. Yeah. One thing I've been... Yeah. I've, I'm just thinking... Go ahead, go ahead. I'm just thinking about it now. And it seems like dumb. It seems... Uh, and this might be like it seems like so stupid to save sometimes. Like at our age, it doesn't make sense. I, like having like a very very small like safety b- gap is okay, but it doesn't make sense to save any more than that because you could just like die at any time. Like AI could take over at any time. So many things could happen. Like why would you save? Like you save when you have kids. Yeah, I think like you and like other kids who are at Waterloo are in like a unique position as students where you actually have to worry about this. Like to be honest, like I've never even thought about saving. Because, like, it's like, well, bro, like, I'm spending, like, 90% of all the money that I have on either tuition plus housing. And then, like, whatever I have left over, it's, like, just, like, going to, like, out every once in a while to, like, 
some comedy show, whatever, like just like some like, leisure activities. And then whatever I have left over is just like spent on things that like, it's, it's just like the money basically disappears. Like I have nothing left to save. Uh, everything is spent right. basically on basic needs plus a little bit of leisure. Whereas like, I feel like for you guys in Waterloo, since you're working co-op jobs, plus like, I mean, you and Tarshi and like, other people like have got those like nice, like scholarship stuff like that. So you're in like a, a unique position where you kind of have to start thinking about setup much younger age than most people do. So like, it must be, I guess, difficult in that situation because no, none of your peers are like worrying about, oh, like I have like $10,000. Should I like invest it in my startup or should I like put in the S&P 500? When you say it like that, it seems like hella pretentious. No, no, no. Like, no, it's, it's, it's not pretentious. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's not pretentious. Like, I, I don't mean that like, oh, like poor boohoo, like, oh, do you have $10,000? Where should I put it? I mean, obviously, it's, it is like, it's it's like, it's just a different like, situation. Like we're all, we'll all experience that or like everybody who isn't experiencing it now will experience it in like five to six years time when we're starting making money. It's just, you have to start um kind of grappling with it before or at a, at a younger age because like for me um like i've i'll come across resources where it's like oh like if you're in canada like this is the index fund you should invest in this is like the account you should open but like that's something that at least for now i'm able to kind of just push away to the waste i'm like i don't have any like extra money to spend right now so like i'll worry about that when i have money to spend so it's like one less thing or to worry about and i think most university students are probably in a similar camp Whereas for you, other kids who are like actually making money at a young age, you have to like, that's something you have to actually worry about, which I mean, it's, it's, it's not pretentious. It's like an actual like thing to kind of, you have to go yeah, through. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Have you ever thought about, like, oh, oh, my camera just, okay. Let's go, go ahead. Um, like one thing I was looking at is like, have you ever thought about, we spoke about it a bit before, like what are your, what do you want your average day to look like in your fifties? But like, what type of lifestyle do you want to have? Cause like, I'll look at certain like specialties in medicine, right? For example, like people who go into neurosurgery, general surgery, any of the surgical specialties. And basically for six years of your life, you lose touch with everybody. Like you are working upwards of a hundred hours a week. Um, like 80 to 100, like on the minimum, right? You, your entire life revolves around, I'm either sleeping, eating, in the hospital, getting ready for cases at the hospital, right? And your your life, and that's residency, right? So your, your, your life for six years is completely just like, you forget about it, right? And then even after that, as an attending, which is what, what people call like a fully fledged, like not, not in training doctor, like you're still working upwards yeah. of like 70 to 75 hours a week in neurosurgery and other specialties that are very high in that, um, are like very low in like the lifestyle categories. And like, I wonder mm-hmm. sometimes what pushes people to go into stuff like that. Um, I'm not sure, like, and I guess for you, like, what what type of lifestyle do you want to have? Because, like, for me, when when I think about it, like, like I I want to be like, you know, actually practicing medicine, whatever. Like, hopefully one day in the future. But like, I would never like, I, I never, I don't love anything so much where I want to spend 75 hours a week doing it and then give up six years of my life in like the prime years of making friendships, making relationships, building things like that, just completely away mm-hmm. to the to, to the wayside to pursue this thing. Do you ever fear like, or like, I guess, like, what are your thoughts on that? Keep asking, what do you fear? Like, oh, it's a fucking therapy session. <laughs> what are your thoughts on it? I can't say, honestly, I don't fear from overworking ever. I've never f- feared from that. I fear the opposite of like, um, I fear that I'll get too, I'll get too caught up with all my indulgences of like having fun, hanging out and stuff like that that my the true meaning of my work will not come to fruition and so i'm okay if i'm at 60 years old spending like 75 80 hours a week on something the only thing that that collides with is i also have like separate very fantastical ideas of how to parent Mm -hmm. Uh, like this this is something i i think 
a lot more probably than like most people like abnormally a lot especially because like, i'm very young and like, this stuff like doesn't really matter to yeah, me okay. um but yeah i think about this a lot and so i have very fantastical ideas of how to parent and i know that that takes a long time um and so yeah i don't know how like two things will collide but but that's that's kind of the, the train yeah, I'm on. i think like it kind of comes back to that like progression bias thing whereas like yeah where you might I'm, I'm not sure like how it'll impact you but certain people at a younger age are like hey like i don't care as much about like relationships or family right now so like i just i'm i'm, I'm a workhorse i'm gonna make sure i do everything in my power to like set myself up for success and then whatever happens to my relationship kind of happens i'll do my best to keep it intact but then like i guess you like are kind of different in that sense because you've already kind of made it apparent that the parenting is something that you're you want to pursue in the future and it's like important to you i don't know it's, it's like it's definitely like tough like there's this like joke and like you'll see online really like if you're in like the med sphere it's like the best way to hide a hundred dollars from a neurosurgeon is to give it to his kids because he doesn't see them <laughs> that's pretty funny yeah so it's like, it's like i don't know why anybody would ever do that to him so it's like but like, like there's no way you love neurosurgery that much that you're just gonna give up your entire life for it right like, I don't know. I, I yeah, guess I guess it's, I it's a noble pursuit, and we need people like that in, to a certain extent, um, at least in the way the current system is set up. But uh, it's just like I don't know why you would ever do it. Um, yeah. Okay. It has been an hour. It's been an hour. Okay. Wait. But before but... we end, I want to I want to do something really quickly. So it's been a year since the first episode. Today is the one year mark exactly. Well, tomorrow when I upload this, technically, but. One year, one hour special. One year, one hour special. Feels good. What are your predictions for what the podcast is going to look like a year from now? Oh. Or I guess like okay. about like your personal life. If you have anything interesting coming up. Yeah, just general predictions. Sure. Okay. Let's start with predictions about the podcast. I think both of us by next year should have invested in good microphones and good webcams. I do not want to see this like camo shit anymore. <laughs> The blue you blue Eddie you had was nice. Why don't you just bring that? It's okay, I still have it here. I you know, I have no laptop oh, to connect okay. it to because it's out of charge. Okay. But um Yeah, so equipment will be good. Mm-hmm. I think we'll see ourselves talking about a a lot more diverse set of things because we'll just be growing and and just struggling with like general life things that any university students experience, mm-hmm. which like which I want this podcast to also be about. I just want this podcast to be us like chilling, talking about everything going on in our lives and how we're processing it. And so I think it'll be a lot more diverse things. Hopefully, we're better conversationalists. So our our cadence is better, our stuttering is less. We speak on topic, don't go on tangents. And we have like dense, I, I, I don't know, I really love this idea of very dense conversation where every single sentence you say is like, oh, that's an idea. Like, yeah. Oh, that's facts. Like, mm-hmm. wow. Like everything you're saying is, is so magical. Yeah. Okay. Those are my thoughts for, for the podcast. What about you? Um, yeah, very similar. Like, no, I, I, one thing is like, I want to invest in the infrastructure of the, like the actual podcast. So yeah, like have better microphones, have better cameras. Uh, we need to start like actually putting out like shorts and stuff more consistently. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. was gonna say like we need people. <laughs> We're talking about all this. I also want people to watch yeah. it. Man. Yeah, like, to be honest, like e- even if like people like I-, I doubt people will start watching the podcast like full length because like I wouldn't to be honest. like I'm keeping it buck. If if like Lokesh and I'm at a podcast, yeah, I, I'm, fucking, I'm not watching that shit, bro. <laughs> I, I'm I'm not sitting down for an hour of my day and watching it. Okay, right? But 
Like yeah, if, if there are shorts and there's like cool ideas in there, I'll sit down and watch the shorts. And if I'm really interested in like a specific topic, I'll go watch the full thing. So we definitely need to have more shorts going out. Um, yeah. Invest in the infrastructure. Uh, I want to have a better setup. Like this is so jank. I'm, I do look like, like that absolute bum, like university student. Like my, my bed is like half made. No, I, I can't dig it. <laughs> I, I can't dig. I dig, I dig that like college Jordan setup. Or yeah. like, we're always in some like random place. It's, well, most of your stuff is from here, from Fort Mac, right? Uh, what do you mean stuff? Like most of, oh, sorry, most of the like, like videos that we record for you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, my stuff's a bit more all over the yeah, place. Yeah. But I kind of, I kind of like that it looks. Yeah. It, 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 it'll be especially like cool, like looking back, I guess that that's like the ultimate dream is like looking back on this one or 30. It's like, this will be really cool to see all different places we were in and like the different jank setups we we're like setting stuff up in. This is one thing I realized is like looking back on like podcast episodes or like even messages I've sent from a couple of years ago, I don't remember saying half the stuff that I said. Right? Like if somebody asked me like, oh, like you sent this message on Discord like a couple of years ago and you had a whole conversation <laughs> about this, I'm like, oh damn, I have literally no clue that that happened. Right? So I asked. Dude, even you're, you're talking about like art inspiring other art is the true like meaning of art i don't even remember saying that <laughs> yeah it's exactly right it's like that was like last podcast yeah literally right uh what else <laughs> that okay the dense conversations thing I, I think today was like a good uh i guess template for that i think today was like a good uh it was like a dense slide we were talking about kind of general ideas and not as much about like uh bcis or whatever the hell else we are normally talking yeah. about i want to have some more cool guests on um i think the mayor was like like okay it was it was a cool guest. I kind of wish we got more out of him because it seemed a little yeah, bit scripted at some points. Uh, and I, I think a part of that was my fault. I don't, I don't think I had a good good performance on that podcast. I, I think I was rambling on a lot of the questions and like answering the question for him. This is one thing I learned is that I have a tendency when I'm asking somebody a question, I'll like give them out. It's like I'll give them oh, I'll give them examples of what they could answer do. with. It's like oh, it's like it, it, do right. Do it. And apparently that's not a good thing. Like you should leave it up to your guests to talk about whatever they want to talk about. Which is one thing I was listening to Chris Williamson on the Modern Wisdom podcast, and he was saying like when you're podcasting, just like let your guests answer the question, don't answer it for them. So that's one thing I want to get better at. Again, working on a conversation skills, working on community and ability to ask questions. Um, that's true. Moderating guests is a big one. Yeah. I think the mayor one, I don't know if that one was our fault or not. Uh, look, he's a, he's a great guy. Yeah. Definitely come back on the podcast if you ever want mm -hmm. to, Mr. Mayor. But uh, sometimes I just felt like he was answering the questions he wanted to hear instead of the questions that we asked him. Yeah, in a way. I guess I guess part of that is like being good a good um, host or a good podcaster. It's especially difficult with people, like I mean, regardless of what he says of not being media trained, like there's still some level of media training or media like approval that goes into it, or else they wouldn't have asked us for yeah. a set of questions beforehand. Just like being honest, but I mean, it's fair enough. Like, but like there's a level of it's even more difficult with people <laughs> like that. But like, a good podcast host is able to bring things out of their guests that other podcast hosts aren't able to. If you go watch a, a, a podcast with somebody like uh, who's normally very reserved, but on a certain like uh, show like for example like uh, Sean Evans this guy is he's so good at asking questions that the guests want to share more with him They're, they feel so comfortable talking with this guy they're like you I will tell you my entire life story stuff that I've never told in any uh -huh. media before so uh, part of it is definitely on us to get better at or trying to learn what what it takes to bring that stuff out of people that's true but do you think the reason that uh, at least specifically Sean Evans is really good is because they're doing something while he's asking the questions yeah, potentially that it because it, it almost feels like yeah, like it, it builds a level of camaraderie right. when you're going through, like it's it's very like um like forced, but like you're forcing to like them to build a relationship by because you're going through something difficult together. 
because that, that's like one thing that i've learned in like psychology classes or like generally like, it's like the best or like usually the things that help us deepen our relationship with other people is going through difficult situations together and coming out the other side um unscathed or like or like developed in some way and like since you're forcing them to go through that situation like even though it's like it's not actually a difficult situation you're just eating hot wings but it's still something it's better than just sitting here and, and talking so uh, yeah <laughs> that, that, definitely the, the format of the show helps yeah i agree like yeah okay that's something interesting to something interesting to think about maybe like at some point we should also our, our podcast at least for guests should be like them doing something yeah we could or, or like having more like we need to come up with more ideas of like little i guess segments we can do because like we're not like it's not it's, yeah. not it's not gonna be every day that like we're able to just like have a good conversation like we did today like some days like we're just both out of it it's like man yeah. like I, I have nothing to talk about like i'm just like studying right now that's true right. many segments the, the other thing i was thinking about is uh i want to be more opinionated one year from now i want like and this pot this podcast will probably be a test of this mm -hmm. But I feel like right now we all of our opinions are kind of baby opinions, and they're like, they're slowly being formed. Um, and you could go like either way on one of them, and especially if me and you both think about these things a lot and go back and forth on them. And it's very hard to to say, oh, I have a very strong opinion about this one thing. At least for me. Yeah. Um, and I so I hope by next next year podcasting, we'll see that when we're talking, we'll just have very strong opinions about stuff. Yeah. And one last thing, it's like, I want to become more present. Like it sounds kind of cheesy, but more present in conversation so that I'm not worried about, oh, like, oh, this is a good question. I should ask this. Like just being in the moment, but like, okay, this is what this person is talking about. I'm just going to hear him out. If I have a good question that comes to mind, I'll ask it. Otherwise, like, whatever. Like, because right, right now, one thing that I even did today, it's like, I had good questions that, that I was thinking of. Um, and then because of that, I wasn't paying attention to what you were actually saying. And then I lost a question and I didn't really like, Hear what you were saying it ended up being okay because we that happens to me right? too. um so yeah being more present in conversations dude we should we should definitely invite your prof onto this as a guest yeah. and it should just be a podcast about how to speak better yeah honestly yeah that, that could be cool dude message dude him. you, you know, let's get yeah, like because he, he mentioned in in lecture because somebody asked him he's like yo like how do you go up there and just talk for three hours he's like listen like i have nothing going on in my head right now i'm just talking like this is straight like there's nothing there's no thought that exists in my brain and that turns into like a speech pattern that i just say it's just everything goes from speech really? to pattern or like speech or like thought to speech in one false swoop that i'm not like in my own head i'm just speaking and it comes out naturally he's like the stephen curry is yeah like he's he's like, like it's, one fluid it's, motion. it's like a, it's like a flow state type thing <laughs> um, yeah, I'll definitely reach, reach out yeah, to him and dude, ask. Him yeah, I'll definitely ask him because he seems like a cool guest. He also has like a bunch of cool experiences we can ask him about. But yeah, um, cool. Anything else you want to? Personal, personal, personal. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like nothing special to be, like personal is pretty dead. You'll probably take the MCAT by next yeah, year. Yeah, right? definitely. I'll, I'll take in the MCAT. Um, I'll have. Yeah, that's basically that's that's only like major milestone career wise. I'll be like halfway mm. through fourth year. Hey, do you have anything major? Uh, by next year, I kind of hope to to have fallen on the the one thing I want to work on for the next couple of years, type of thing. For like, I want, I want to by next year, this time, I want to be able to like make a big bet on something for the next five years and then kind of work on that. So all the things I've been working on are just like four months here, four months there, six months here, mm -hmm. um, all over the place. Mm -hmm. But 
I'm practicing this now, which is like working on one thing very hard. Mm-hmm. But it's very, for me, it's very hard to stay committed on one thing because everything else looks so appealing. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully by next year, I'll have a good idea of, of what that is. Do you want to set a goal for how many episodes we should record the next year? Or should we just leave it up to how, how we've done it so far? Honestly, I think, I think we can just leave it. I, obviously, if, we, if there's yeah. episode 16, you said, next time should be at least 32. Yeah, like 30, 32-ish. Um, but yeah, All right, guys, that, that has been the drawing board. Should, should, should we call this the end of season one? Because like on, on Anchor, you can, you can say like how many, what season you're on. Should we say the end of season one? Yeah. okay yeah this is ladies and gentlemen boys and girls everyone in between this is the end of season one for the drawing board podcast thank you so much for listening we'll catch you on the next one peace